Welcome back to another edition of the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. We have a loaded show for you. We have a loaded weekend of games. Uh, just fantastic matchups. Follow, follow Making the Madness on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to that because we have some good breakdowns going down. Uh, we've already got Gonzaga, Iowa, North Carolina, Kentucky, UCLA, Ohio State. We'll have couple coming up here on Creighton, UConn, and Illinois Rutgers, so stay tuned for that. But we'll have breakdowns on on those. But for right now, uh, we've got to discuss the podcast, and it is a loaded show. We're going to start off last night. Kansas goes on the road, extends their conference opener win streak to 30 straight uh, conference opener wins. Uh, factoid of the day as they beat Texas Tech 58-57 on uh, Ochai Abaji have late in the game layup per se I guess what that's what you would call it game winner uh-huh. uh, and they beat Texas Tech 58-57 what are your main takeaways from this game I mean Kansas is great I mean they're able to play two different ways they can score a lot of points like we saw against Gonzaga, obviously they lost that one. But they could also play defense. They can play multiple different styles depending on when the game, you know, what the game has for them. Jalen Wilson didn't do much. He only had seven points, was in foul trouble in the first half. And then they were still able to win. Ochai Abaji at 23 points, 8 for 11 from the field, 4 for 7 from deep. Obviously the game-winning layup. And then he hit many big threes that, you know, when uh, Texas Tech was on a run, he ended some of those runs with big-time threes. But for the Texas Tech side of it, it's just more of what you know. I was skeptical with them about already. They just don't have a lot of offense. Mac, Mac McClung had 21 points, but he was 5 for 16 and 2 for 8 from deep. That's what Mac McClung is. He's going to put up numbers, but he's going to do it taking a lot of shots. He gets to the line a lot. He makes a lot of those. But Mac McClung is not an efficient player. And I don't know how much a guy like Mac McClung can contribute to a winning team. He was at Georgetown and not very, you know, on a bad team, but he's really good on a bad team. Now he's on a good team. How can he contribute to winning on a team like Texas Tech? Overall, they just didn't impress me a ton. Terrence Shannon was tremendous. But besides Shannon and small spurs from Mac McClung, I was unimpressed by Texas Tech. I'm not sure I'd have them ranked next week just because they haven't looked great this season. But Kansas, I was really impressed with. Yeah, I, I think the takeaway, I think, from the Texas Tech side, like, Mac McClung, I think, almost has to be what he is, which is, inefic- you mentioned, inefficient. Because, like, I think the thing is, you take out McClung, you take out Shannon. This team's just not good. Like, Santos Silva, Kyler Edwards, two starters combined for zero points. That's just unacceptable. Tyreek Smith had a couple buckets you're not expecting much out of him namari burnett jamarius burton need to they combine to go two for ten from the game uh oh for two from the free throw line like the thing is mcclung and shannon almost have to be taking all these shots and they each took 16 shots uh combined for 41 of the 57 points like they have to do all the offense because right now just I think the thing is no one else is really doing anything. Kyler Edwards 0 for 9, 0 for 5 from 3. Like, 
you ju- you just look at this team and it's a t- at least last night it was just a two man show. It was McClung, Shannon, and that's that's it. Micah Peavy was good. Like he Micah Peavy's a solid player. Eight and six is a, like that's a fine game for Micah Peavy, but like you need Kyler Edwards to show up and score even a point. Marco Santa Silva has to score a point. Like that, you're not going to win games when two of your scores don't score, or two of your stars don't score. And that's from Texas Tech. I think the big, bigger issue. I think personally. Yeah, part of it's that Kansas is a good defensive team, but I'm not going to put all of my eggs in that basket. I just don't think Texas Tech is a good offensive team. I think it, both are a little bit true. I'm just Mac McClung. He's just is what he's always been. I didn't expect him to be different than that. I expected him to put up 15, 16, 17 a game, but his uh, field goal percentage numbers are right on par with what they've been his entire career. 38% from the field, 31% from deep. That's what he is. And I just, like, Texas Tech will still be uh, really good. They could win some tournament games because of how well coached they are, how good they are on the defensive end. But if they can't stop teams on defense – they're not going to win games with their offense. Yeah, and look, I I do think Texas Tech. You you look at the end of the year. I I was impressed defensively with them. They made they were they play at least they play really hard. They're you know playing hard. They're they know what they're doing defensively. Uh, do they get rely too much on officials calling charges? Sure, but <laughs> that's that's how the game is refereed and so can't blame them for taking advantage on of refs deciding to call a charge on every play but uh that's another for another time but i think the the way texas tech gets better is they're going to need to figure out how to get scoring from people not named mcclung and shit like mcclung we know what he is he's he's not always efficient he's he wasn't efficient last night. He's never really been efficient, but he can go out and get you a bucket. You, it may be from the free throw line. It may be three-pointer. He can get you a bucket. Terrence Shannon can go get you a bucket. Those two guys I'm not really concerned about, but Kyler Edwards has to play better. Marcus Santos Silva has to play better. Uh, you need Jamarius Burton and Amari Burnett, two players I think we both thought would be really good come in the season last night they combined for four points they need they need help like you can't you can't win with two guys uh and certainly texas tech didn't win last night with two guys yeah no kevin mcculler for the second or third consecutive game he's going to be a big factor once he's back because he's another guy that can score yeah he, he can't put up any less points than Kyler Edwards and Marcus Santos Silva did last night. That is scientifically backed up, so I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, as for Kansas, I thought Abaji was good. Uh, Wilson, Brown didn't have been really good in the past. They kind of disappointed, but Marcus Garrett was kind of doing what he always does, plays great defense, uh, gets a couple steals, uh, and just, I think, he made Mac McClung's life a little bit more difficult than the majority of players would. So I think you have to look at like McClung didn't shoot that efficiently, but part of that just had to do with having the reigning defensive player of the year on him the entire game. But 
Abaji stepping up for Kansas was huge, four for seven from three. I think David McCormick had probably the most interesting game because, like, for a portion of the game, he was, like, unplayable. And then I think late he got minutes, and while offensively he really didn't do anything, he created space on the floor and kind of led to a couple open jumpers, one by Harris and a couple by Abaji that ended up being huge for Kansas. So I, I do think David McCormick's he the stat line doesn't show he had a good game. It he you know maybe didn't do well in the box plus minus but I thought he for a portion of the game was kind of low key very important. Yeah, that's fair. He created some space, did some good screens. He's a good defender, but he put them in the danger zone a couple of times with bad decisions. In about a two-minute stretch, he took a double-teamed, uh, like, one-handed hook shot. It missed everything. And then the uh, possession after that, he took, like, a 15-foot jumper and missed. And then the next possession, he threw it into, like, the 13th row where nobody was sitting. So I just... He put them in the danger zone a little bit. He helped a little bit, too, but he just does too many things wrong. He's a big man that can't shoot, that's shooting 39% from the floor. He has to do some of the things well on offense before I think he's going to be a big contributor because right now he's hurting them a lot. Yeah, I, I think the thing McCormick needs to do is just you tell him, okay, if you're inside of five feet, make a move to score. Do that. If you're outside five feet, look on passing the ball, maybe repost, do something like that. Like, just get within five feet. That's what Yudoka Azubuke did last year. And he was a first team All American and went in the first round of the NBA draft. That's all David McCormick needs to do. You just get, get post up five feet from the basket and make your move to score. If you don't have something there, pass the ball around. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree. That's the best thing he could do. So I, I think McCormick just needs to play a little bit smarter. And I think if he can do that, you're looking at a player that could end up being a major contributor in the f- future. Yeah, definitely. That's a good point for sure. Uh, moving on, the upset of the week uh, came on Monday. It was Marquette taking down Creighton on the road. Uh, now, both teams went one and one this week uh, since we spoke because Creighton then beat St. John's on the road. And uh, we'll talk about this later. Marquette lost to Seton Hall in kind of a thriller game. But Marquette goes on the road. They secure a big victory at the Creighton Blue Jays, uh, an impressive win for Marquette. Defensively, Creighton didn't really have it in this game. Uh, they kind of showed up last night. DJ Carton looks fantastic ever since he's been moved into the starting role he's played very well Kobe McEwen looks like he's taking a step forward we'll see if that can stay throughout the entire season Uh, but just a really overall impressive performance for Marquette yeah definitely Marquette looked really good in the Creighton game they were down in the first half by nine and then they scored 54 points in the second half. DJ Carton with his uh, best career game as a member of the Golden Eagles with 20 points, five rebounds, and five assists. Greg Elliott hit four triples, big ones in that game. 
Dawson Garcia was doing Dawson Garcia things. Justin Lewis has been one of the more underrated freshmen in the nation so far this season. But overall, this Marquette team, they're going to be interesting because there's some games where they looked really good, like against Wisconsin and against Creighton. And then there's some games where they've looked terrible, like against UCLA. And last night against Seton Hall, they were largely unimpressive until some late threes by DJ Carton bailed them out. And then obviously Shavar Reynolds at the game winner late in that game. But I'm curious to see what this Marquette team looks like. They're probably an NCAA tournament level squad. They need to be more consistent is kind of what it comes down to there, though. I think consistency is really the big part for them. If they can show up and be consistent uh, throughout the season, I think they're going to be uh, a team that's capable of being in the NCAA tournament and maybe even weighing a couple games in the NCAA tournament. I think they have – this is maybe you know top to bottom – Wojo's, I would say, best roster, at least top to bottom. Like, they they have seven guys who you can really count on to be contributors. Uh, it showed in this uh, Creighton win where, like, Justin Lewis, Greg Elliott come off the bench for 25 points. Like, they have seven really good players. And, like, if they can all show up or play their roles – on a nightly basis, this is a Marquette team that certainly I think could get to the NCAA tournament. I think they could win a game, maybe two in the NCAA tournament, but it's just about consistency. And that's for Marquette. This is kind of a young team like Theo John, Jamal Kane, Kelly McCune have been around for a while, but you also have Justin Lewis, uh, Dawson Garcia and DJ Carton, who coming into the year played combined a half season. That's, like, so th- there's a lot of youth. There's a lot of experience on this roster. It's just about uh, putting it together. I think if they can compete on a consistent nightly basis, this is a team uh, that can certainly make, win a game, do well in the Big East, win a game in the NCAA tournament, like I was saying. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, losing a guy like Marcus Howard is tough, but – just obviously Marcus Howard was a thrill to watch all four seasons at Marquette, but having a guy that's taking like half of your shots, even though he made a fair amount of them and put up 30 a game, it's tough to win like that just because you have to rely on one guy. Yeah. Uh, moving on here, uh, Arizona state uh, with a kind of tough home game loss. I'm not sure if it was a bye game, but yeah, it was. Uh, so a bye game loss for Arizona State. Uh, and this is an Arizona State team, I, I think that's still kind of struggling with role allocation. And obviously, no Marcus Bagley in this game. Uh, he's been out for a little bit of time. I think once Bagley gets back, Arizona State will certainly be a better team uh, just overall because right now he's like, you just need a guy, and Bagley's this. He's big he can shoot threes has great shooting form can knock it down at high level you have to respect him from the three-point arc uh a three and d guy is exactly what they need because remy martin josh christopher alonzo verge all like have to have the ball to make plays you don't need to run a play for marcus bagley he just spots up in the corner knocks down threes and i think once he gets back they'll be better but 
right now it's kind of a tough time for Arizona State. Yeah, definitely. It just seems like in the public eye that when a Pac-12 team loses a big game like this or a game they shouldn't lose like this, it seems like people publicly are more uh, – they just give it to the Pac-12, more talk about how the Pac-12 is bad, the Pac-12 is this, they're not good. But you look at – there's been a lot of by-game losses. Miami lost to Florida Gulf Coast the other day. Miami was a team that was supposed to be in the NCAA tournament. It just seems like there's different standards for Pac-12 teams, the way people look at them. And I'm a West Coast guy, so I watch a lot of Pac-12 hoops. So maybe I'm just biased. But overall, Arizona State's going to be fine. They're a good team. Obviously, three losses. People are saying, ah, oh, they might not make the tournament. They're going to make the tournament, I would guess, likely, unless they just collapsed like Washington last season. They don't have any big wins, but they won at Grand Canyon. They won on a neutral site against Rhode Island. Obviously, this loss to UTEP is not great, but Marcus Bagley was gone. He's their best shooter. They made one three. You're not going to win games that way. And Alonzo Verge, Josh Christopher, and Remy Martin have to find out a way to play together more. And you saw that last season. Remy Martin and Alonzo Verge struggled with that last year, and they struggled early in the season to figure out who was going to have the ball more. And late in the season, Arizona State was really good down the stretch. They won eight consecutive at one point. I think ASU will be fine. I think they're a tournament team. And, you know, they're, they could be an eight or a nine seed, but they'll be a dangerous one. Yeah, I think the thing is they just – it takes – when you have kind of two superstar freshmen come in, you have, have two kind of experienced players, you just don't really know the role allocation early in the season and a COVID off season as well. Uh, you don't really know – what the rollout location particularly looks like. I think they'll kind of figure it out. And I think once you get the Pac-12 season, they're a team that certainly has the chops to make a run, maybe even win the Pac-12 title like they nearly did last year. But it, I think it just takes time. And I like I'm not here to – I'm not going to say the sky is falling for Arizona State just yet because – Obviously, no Marcus Bagley in the game. I would like to see how they would do with him back in the rotation uh, and kind of as the season goes along. Uh, but the one thing I will say on Arizona State, they've kind of put themselves behind the eight ball to where they'll have to contend for the Pac-12 title to make the NCAA tournament because, like, right now, four and three, they – they did themselves no favors in the in the non-conference portion of the schedule, and if the season ended right now, they would not make the NCAA tournament. But if you get into Pac-12 play, you go 11-7, 12-6, 13-5 in Pac-12 play, uh, something like that, they'll put themselves back in the NCAA tournament. I think that's what you're kind of expecting from Arizona State, just kind of will take time. And I think you'll see kind of later in the season, they'll go on like an eight game win streak or something like that, where they're back in the, you know, NCAA tournament mix. Yeah, definitely. I just, I think they'll be fine. I think that people, you know, the pad 12 has been great. Washington has been terrible. Cal isn't very good. They beat San Francisco the other day though. Washington state isn't very good. Oregon state's terrible. So the bottom half is bad. And, like, I've seen stats like the top 50 in Ken Palm, they have, like, three combined wins or two combined wins. But then they have, like, four 
in 51 to 59 range. So, like, it's, like, true in a sense, but it's also, like, teams are one win away from them being in the top 50. So it's kind of, like, misleading in a sense. Yeah. But it, it is they, – technically, it, the stats are true, but it, it does miss out on those teams that are just right outside the top 50. But overall, I think the Pac-12 is – kind of what it is it's I think four to five bid league is what you're probably looking at for the Pac-12 like I think Oregon UCLA are all there are kind of the two teams right now set up to have the best seeds come out of the Pac-12 I think they're the at the moment the two best teams in the Pac-12 I think USC and Stanford will make and then I'd say one of Arizona State Arizona or Colorado I think it'll be Arizona State at the end of the day but I think five bids will end up being what the Pac-12 will get yeah I agree with that all right moving on here uh eight bid big 12 probably not likely because Oklahoma State's still not eligible but TCU picks up a good win at Oklahoma State uh this Oklahoma State team uh I, I saw some Criticism for Cade Cunningham. I want to shut this down because he yelled Kobe at the end of the game. Now, he yelled Kobe at the end of the Wichita State game, and everyone's like, oh, great. And then he yells Kobe at the end of this game. Now he misses, and everyone's like, he's not Kobe. Kobe would have made it. I'm sure Kobe missed game winners. Uh, Mm -hmm. He played for a long time. He missed his fair share of game winners. So don't, don't. Don't yell at Kate Cunningham for yelling Kobe at the end of the game. Yeah, definitely. But. I mean, it, it wasn't a good shot, but he was double teamed. But he kind of, I mean, he took he took way too long to get the ball up. That was my issue. There's like six seconds, and he was kind of walking it up at first. That gives you no margin for error. So, you know. yeah. But a great and, win for TCU. Yeah, a great win for TCU. Uh, this TCU team, I think was kind of I think we looked at the top seven of the Big 12 and was like oh this, these seven teams are all good they're NCAA tournament caliber teams now obviously Oklahoma State not eligible but if they were they'd be an NCAA tournament team and thus far the, those seven look like NCAA tournament teams but TCU I think was kind of just being thrown in the Iowa State K-State category TCU is a better team than those two teams like TCU's R.J. Nimhard's really good. Kevin Samuels, you know, maybe he's outside of the West Virginia players, you could argue. Maybe he's, you know, the best, maybe second best big man in the Big 12. Like, he's take out the West Virginia bigs because they're just all monsters. Like, I think you have a case for him being the best non-West Virginia center in the Big 12. Uh, and then they have guards that can shoot. So I think TCU was kind of being underlooked, uh, just thrown in the K-State, Iowa State category. But I want to say TCU is better than those two teams. Yeah, I had TCU uh, third to last uh, in the Big 12 this year. But I, I had them like a tier ahead of Iowa State and Kansas State. If I was tiering it, though, I wouldn't have had them as a tournament team. But it's possible. I mean, Mike Miles has been a tremendous freshman. And Francisco Farabello is going to be good when he's not hurt anymore. R.J. Nemhard's an interesting player. He's another one of those guys. 
that is just inconsistent. He can have a game where he goes off, and then he's going to have a game where he does nothing and super inefficient. That's just kind of what he is at times, but there is talent there. Kevin Samuel's a double-double machine. Yeah, big fan of Kevin Samuel, elite shot blocker. He was super underrated the past two seasons, and now he's starting to get some national love. So that's something I enjoy to see with that. But overall, look at TCU. I think they could be in the running for a tournament bid this season. You know, they'll be a bubble team, but I think they could make it this year. Yeah, I I think I would probably lean with them probably heading to the NIT, assuming there is an NIT. You know, let's just say there is. I'd say TCU's in the NIT, like a two or three seed there. Like I, I think they'll be in the mix for the NCAA tournament, just missing it. But I think this is a good t- TCU team, and certainly a really good win at an Oklahoma State team that's you know, kind of impressed early in the season. They won at Marquette, uh, which is w- looking like a really good win at this point. They've they won at Wichita State, like they've, and TCU handles hands them their first loss of the season. So credit to TCU on getting the win. Uh, speaking of Marquette, we talked about them earlier. They lose to Seton Hall on Thursday. Uh, it was a close game. Just great announcing. I I forget who the announcer was for the game, but he, he brought some, like, Gus Johnson-type energy. That's what you uh-huh. like to see. Yeah, I, is Gus not calling hoops this year? He's yet to call a game, and I'm concerned. Uh, well, he's still on football. But last year, he's all. I feel like he's always done both at the same time. Well, let, last year, I think his first game last year was Kansas Villanova. But because uh, at that point, football had already wrapped up. So I, mm. I think the, so the Big Ten Championships this tomorrow. weekend. Yeah. Tomorrow. So. I'd say probably next weekend you'll see Gus. Yeah, let's wrap that up. Let's get college football over with so we can get Gus back. Yeah, we need Gus. But yeah, big time. I miss him. Whoever was announcing the game brought some Gus-type energy. Just He was mm-hmm. absolutely excited. So credit to him. Uh, I'll have to look up who that is. But shout out to him. I feel like you should know that, but I, I don't know either. So I'm... I'm gonna look it up here. Uh, like but, if you like if you put me in like a room and you're like, well, you can't leave here until you tell me who that is. I couldn't tell you, but once you tell me, I'll know. Let me just say that. Yeah, we're we're gonna look this up because I I did see something, but very good answer then. Yeah. Give me a second. Yeah, uh, I mean. Good win Gus for Seton Hall. The yep. I'm trying to think of who it might even be, and I just have no clue. Like, it was on Fox, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, Joe Davis, but I don't think he was doing that game. No. No clue. Joe, Joe Davis, uh... Joe Davis does baseball. He does baseball, football, and basketball. Yeah. But, like, he, he Joe Davis has Eric Collins. Eric Collins. I don't even know who that is, so. <laughs> now you do. 
Nice. I guess, yeah, Eric Collins. Shout out to Eric, Eric Collins. Shout out to Eric Collins. Here we go. Uh, but, yeah, Joe Davis has, like, a very, I think, kind of... Noticeable voice. Yeah. I think it, the thing is, Joe Davis has been around enough where, like, you, you recognize his voice. This mm-hmm. guy, like, you don't know who he is. Yeah, for sure. Eric Collins. Yeah. Now you know. Yeah. But good win for Seton Hall. Uh, Mamu was playing like an All-American. Just, I can't name 15 better players better than Sandro Mamakalashvili. Uh, mm-hmm. Andrew Dikoff, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has Mamu Kalashvili as the number one player in the sport. So the analytics say Sandro's the best. He's better than Luca Garza. He's better than Drew Timmy, according to Andy. All Dicott. right, all right. That's well. He's an Oregon State fan, so let's 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 keep it. Uh, you know, maybe a system's St- broken. Standards are low. Maybe a system's yeah. broken and they need to fix it. I mean, you never know. Need to get Todd Golden in there, and then he'll have the he'll have a better player of the year rankings. No yeah. offense to Mama. Yeah, Drew Timmy's better though. Drew Timmy is all—all all three of them can be all Americans. Yeah, they can, but don't. I don't want to hear anybody in the same conversation as the best player in college basketball. <laughs> uh, moving forward, one more game from last night. Last night was a sneaky good called hoop slate, but uh, St. Louis comes from behind, beat NC State. Now NC State was down two players, uh, so kind of an asterisk you might want to throw an asterisk by the win but still an impressive win for a st louis team that uh now on the season who's six and oh they're number two in haslam metrics uh analytics rankings uh take it for what it's worth now no dj funderberg no cam hayes that's obviously i think cam hayes would have been very impactful i think nc state played a good game they just kind of ran out of gas but Credit to SLU because 6-0 and on the young season, uh, that's just really impressive. And I think the thing between this year and last year is, like, last year they didn't have someone that could go out and make shots from the perimeter. This year they have Gib- Gibson Jimerson. Uh, Javante Perkins has really taken a step forward. They have guys who you can say, okay, go shoot us some threes go space the floor for us because we're best with Hassan French and Jordan Goodwin and going towards the paint. This year they have people that can shoot and Gibson Jimerson, Javante Perkins taking a step forward has been absolutely huge for the Billikens. Yeah. The shooting ability of the Billikens this season has been something that they needed. I mean, it opens the floor up more for Hassan French. Javante Perkins has been nails at the free throw line and everywhere from the floor. That's going to set this team apart from what they were the past couple of seasons. Obviously, the last two years, two years ago, they were uh, won the A-10 tournament. Last year, they would have been an at-large team, I believe. But yeah, no, the NIT. really? Ah, well, I'm an idiot. Well, only Richmond Rick- and Dayton, Dayton were going. Yeah, well, Richmond and SLU, both very good teams this year. Once again, they're both going to be at-large teams. At the time of recording this, uh, Richmond is going to be playing in eight minutes. 
So the best steals getter in college basketball, Jacob Gilliard, going to be playing in a few minutes. Definitely watch, even though the game will be long over by the time we're listening to this. But yeah, St. Louis, very impressive. They get Minnesota on the road on Sunday. That'll be one to watch for sure. Yeah. Uh, and breaking news, Sienna has paused again. Yeah, and more breaking news, but actually good breaking news. Deontay Johnson posted a video on his Twitter account of him talking, thanking everybody for the well wishes. He looks pretty good, uh, you know, still in the hospital, it appears, but he seems fine. So, I mean, obviously there could be something more serious than he'd fix in the future, but in the immediate future, he's fine right now. Yeah, good, definitely good news for Keontae Johnson. Uh, one more thing that's in the news, transfer rule uh, has been passed, so everyone who is eligible to play... Except Bo Hodges. Couple, well, I, I'm, I think Bo Hodges may have had some eligibility concerns, so everyone who is eligible to play this semester and, I guess, signs the waiver, does whatever they do, is now eligible to play. Uh, I don't even think they need to sign. I don't even think they need to apply for a waiver. I just think they can play. Uh, well, there you go. So one-time waiver pass for all transfers. I think this was the right move. Just one from a mental health perspective, not not being able to play with your teammates in a year that's already extremely challenging uh, is just a. Like, it's bad on the athletes. And two, from a, like, team perspective, you, you'll you have these games where, like, you may have to quarantine certain amount of your players, like, in different leagues. Obviously, like, like the Big Ten, Pac-12 might say, okay, well, you have to quarantine. You, you're not playing. Well, maybe in SEC country, you can play with three players not being eligible able to play because of COVID. I, I think it would be contact tracing would be the reason. But if, let's say you have three players contact traced out, all of a sudden you're down three players. But if you, you get like a player eligible now because of this rule passed, that's all of a sudden very helpful to the team. So I, I think it's a good overall thing to have had passed. Uh, I don't know why they didn't just do it before the season, but it's done now. And everyone who is eligible is playing. Bo Hodges not playing, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, good to see DeAndre Williams, guys like that, Ben Stanley, who, uh, you know, there was no reasoning for his waiver to get denied. It was a complete, uh, you know, ter- I'm trying to think of a word, but the NCAA made a terrible choice denying his waiver. But guys like that are now eligible. So if you transferred, you can now play. So that's good to see unless you uh, have academic issues and you can't play. But for the most part, everybody is able to play. All right. Uh, we're going to make some picks here. First one, as of the mo- moment we are recording this, BYU has a 15-point lead on San Diego State at the half. Does BYU hold off San Diego State and play? No, they don't. San Diego State is going to win this game. And, you know, they're up 15 at half as we're speaking. They're going to win. San Diego State's going to come back and win. I, I would like to pick San Diego State, but I do think, I don't know if they're pumping in quite 
fake crowd noise. I have the game on mute. But if and you just don't get the same atmosphere that you would get at the Viejas Arena. So I, I think that's a fact. They're also playing completely terrible. So that's also part of it. Well, there you go. So play play better, San Diego State. Yeah, San Diego State is shooting a nice 25% from the field and 18% from three. So, yeah. All right. Is Richmond on upset alerts? That game's about to tip off. Well, it's not even really an upset. They're giving one. So it's kind of an even little line there. And does Iowa State beat West Virginia? No, they don't. I mean, Iowa State might lose by 40. Iowa State is an embarrassment to college basketball. Imagine losing to the team that lost that to Fort Hayes State. Fort Hayes State. Fort Hayes State isn't even a real school. I refuse to believe it. And John Rothstein is on my TV, and you don't love to see that. So, All right. Moving on to the actual games. Gonzaga versus Iowa. We've done the breakdown. Go watch the Making the Madness YouTube video. We'll just give our picks here. Uh-huh. Uh, we both picked Gonzaga. Yep. Uh, Gonzaga's going to win this game. Yeah, the over-under is out. It is at 170.5. I don't know about that. Probably over. I will be taking the over. Yeah, sounds like that's a move, probably. Yeah. Uh, Moving on here. Game we didn't break down. uh, Louisville versus Wisconsin. It's a makeup game. So this, for all intents and purposes, decides if we get a tie or uh, if one team wins the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Louisville will play at Wisconsin. I'm going to go with Wisconsin to win at home. Uh, they're favored by five and a half. I think the win, I'd probably just stay away from the number on that. But I think I just think Wisconsin, they, they're old experience, and they, they'll, they'll find a way to win this game, although I do think Louisville's somewhat underrated. I think Wisconsin will just find a way to win this one. Yeah, I agree. I think Wisconsin will win this game. What it comes down to for me is you look at, well, Louisville's fresh out of quarantine. They're already super injured, and it's going to stay that way. Malik Williams and Charles Midland will not be back in this game. Samuel Williamson will. Uh, I don't know if they're without any players due to COVID issues since that's what they're dealing with, but I just don't think they have the guys to stop Micah Potter and Nate Reavers down low. Jalen Withers is a solid player, but besides that, you have Quinn Slazinski, Gabe Witznitzer. Both of them are very good currently. And Williamson's solid, but he can't contain either of those two guys. Yeah. Uh, moving on here, we've got Western Kentucky at Alabama. Uh, Alabama's favored by five and a half. Um, I think Western Kentucky's the smart play here. It might be a trap because I don't know why they, they're favoring Alabama by five and a half when they knew, they should have lost to Furman for all intents and purposes, and then Western Kentucky is better than Furman. So yeah. I think Western Kentucky, I'll take Alabama to win, but Western Kentucky will cover the spread. I think Alabama wins and probably covers the spread. I think they win by about six or seven probably, so right near the spread. But one thing that Alabama has in their favor in their home games, they actually have fans, I think like 3,000, and it's noticeable. So that's something that weighs in their favor. I think Alabama showed a lot of fight in that Furman game. They were down big. Herb Jones had a huge game. He had like five or six offensive rebounds, I think. 
He was getting all kinds of offensive boards. He was saving balls. He was doing all kinds of stuff. John Petty needs to figure out how to shoot again because, my God, he's been a disaster this season. He, You know, he's missing free throws. He's missing threes. I'm just like, that's not ideal. Jaden Shackelford missed, like, four threes in the last 20 seconds – or free throws in the last 20 seconds. Uh, yeah, they need to figure some of those guys getting it together because they take a ton of threes and they're not making them right now. But at some point, they have to. So I'm going to say Alabama wins by seven. All right, moving on here. We've kind of gone over the two CBS Sports Classic games. Uh, you can check the preview. You can check the other preview because we did two previews and one right before uh, it was Kentucky versus North Carolina and UCLA, Ohio State. One after they changed the matchups, one before they had the previous matchups. So watch both videos for the full breakdown. Uh, we didn't have the spreads at the time of the video. So coming in this one, uh, we have North Carolina favored by two and a half over Kentucky. I like North Carolina to cover. I just think the spreads two. It went to like three or less. I just usually go with the team. I think is going to win. So I, I'm, I'm taking North Carolina. I think they'll cover. Yeah, I'm going Kentucky. I think this is a good rebound spot for the Wildcats. You look at all the struggling freshmen in this game. You have B.J. Boston, who's been a disaster this season. Caleb Love, who has also been pretty terrible this season. <laughs> Both of them need to turn it around. But the, the real question is, does the Kentucky big men, can they stop Armando Baycott, Garrison Brooks, and Dayron Sharp? Walker Kessler might play a little bit. And I think Isaiah Jackson can stop anybody. The question is, can Olivier Starr stop whoever's on the floor? Lance Ware will probably get some minutes. I think overall this is a good rebound spot for Kentucky. I think they'll be able to finally hit some threes. Terrence Clark is going to be starting at the point for the first time this season, according to Coach Cal. And when you have a guy that big running the point, let's see if he can do it well. I'm assuming he can do it somewhat okay. Can't be worse than what's already been happening. So I think Kentucky will win here. All right. Uh, the next game, UCLA will play Ohio State, the Buckeyes, who... Fraud. Uh, yeah, fraud. Fraud alert. I don't know why Ohio State's only one-and-a-half-point underdogs uh, with E.J. Liddell out. Seth Towns seemingly never going to play, so... I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, give me UCLA. Uh the spread Bruin could be five, and I'd still take UCLA. I think UCLA is just a better team, and I think they'll win rather comfortably. Yeah, Bruin, but then probably. I just don't think this Ohio State team is very good. Yeah, and I think Ohio State, if they had Seth Towns, if they had EJ Lydell, like, you can maybe make the argument for them being a top 25 team. They're just not there. They're just uh-uh. – it's not even close. They lost to a bad Purdue team, maybe the worst Purdue team in a while. They lost to that team. Uh, just s- s- Ohio State, get out of here. You're not a top 25 team. Get out of the rankings. Uh, you saw yeah, not at all. Game. Absolutely. Arizona will play at Stanford. Uh, a lot of young freshmen – playing in their first, I think they're for each team's first conference game. Uh, yep. Now they've moved the game. Uh, it's a Stanford home game. It's been moved to 
uh, the Kaiser Arena in Santa Cruz, which so it's a Stanford with, home game, but not a Stanford home game. Essentially, I think right. because of the COVID restrictions yeah. and I forget what county it is, but uh, same, yeah, I can't even tell you. Same reason the 49ers are playing in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, but I think the choice here is going to be Stanford at home. Well, not really at home, but Stanford on they're somewhat home away from home. Now, maybe they're home for the future. I'll take Stanford to win uh, rather comfortably. Yeah, I think Stanford wins, too. I like them quite a bit more. They're a really good defensive team. Spencer Jones, one of the better shooters in college basketball, has struggled this season. I think he could turn it around here. Uh, I like Oscar De Silva. He's been very good this year. Zaire Williams has been pretty good. Dejon Davis, Bryce Wills, all really good players. Arizona, I like what they have a little bit. Jordan Brown can be really good in this game. James Akinjo has been up and down. Jamal Baker has been their best player so far. I am not sure if Kirk Creasa, the freshman, uh, has been cleared yet because he was having some eligibility issues. I don't think he's cleared, so he will not be playing, I believe, in this contest. But even if he plays, I don't think it'll be that much of a difference. I still think Stanford wins. Yeah, give me Stanford. Uh, two more here. UConn makes its return to the Big East. Uh, I'll take Creighton to win on the road. I think they're just the better team. We have the full breakdown on YouTube, so tune into that. But taking taking Creighton on the road to win the game. Yeah, I'm going. I'll go with the Blue Jays too. All right, and the full breakdown will be released uh, tonight, so make sure to watch that. But uh, and then the full breakdown will be out tomorrow uh, for Illinois and Rutgers. Uh, Make sure to watch that, but we'll give our picks here. I like Rutgers defending the rack. Just no, no one wins at the rack. So give me Yeah, but Io DeSumo wins at the rack. Illinois will walk into Rutgers building into the rack and defeat the Scarlet Knights. I still love Rutgers. I just really like Illinois. I think overall they're a more talented team. I think, you know, Rutgers is better coached, but from top to bottom, Kofi Coburn, you have Iota Sumu, Trent Frazier has been tremendous this season. Demonte Williams is one of the better glue guys. Adam Miller is one of the top freshmen. Andre Curbelo has been huge. I'm just naming names of like the top 10 guys who play legitimate roles for Illinois who could start on a lot of teams. Illinois is going to win this game. There's no way they have three losses. Well, Paul McKay, would start on Illinois. That That's that's all you need to well, that, that, that's my boy, Paul Mulcahy. I've done an interview with him yeah, on the yeah, site. Yeah. But uh, I don't think you start going up. you got to have five people in the starting rotation. Yeah, and Illinois has Trent Frazier, Io DeSumo, Adam Miller, DeMonte Williams, and Kofi Coburn. All right, take out Williams and put in uh, Ron right, Harper you want, Jr. You want, well, yeah, that would make it better because you're putting an All-American in. But you have the the second best glue guy in the country behind Stephon Mitchell. I'm not going to complain. All right, Ron Harper Jr. versus Iota Sumu. That's I would take Iota Sumu in a heartbeat. I love Ron Harper but Jr. That's a that's a great matchup though. Like I I would take Io as well, but that's that's a fun matchup. But then you compare second best players. You have Geo Baker and Kofi Coburn. Give me Kofi Coburn. Uh, well I. 
I'd take Coburn over Johnson, yes. Uh, I'd take Baker and Young over Frazier and Miller. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Just because Miller, I think Young and Baker do more combi- more total because Miller's not much of a playmaker. Yes. And then it comes I, – I just think Trap is a way to tear. No one wins there, so I'll, I'll take Rutgers. Well, there's no fans, though, so maybe people do win there. What? No one's won there yet. Yeah, well, they've played, like, Sacred Heart and uh, – I don't – yeah, Syracuse, they don't count. That's a win. Uh, one more game to talk about. St. Louis, the Billikens, undefeated, will be taking on National Player of the Year favorite Marcus Carr. He's not Marcus. National Player of the Year favorite. Uh, but Minnesota does have a good chance to pick up a good non-conference win. I think it's probably a better non-conference w- game than I think they were expecting when they scheduled the game. Uh, I don't know when they scheduled it, but I assume they, they didn't assume. I think they played last year. Oh, so they they probably didn't think St. Louis would be this good uh, to where it would be an upset if Minnesota won. I'll take oh, – I'm, I'm torn on this one. I want to hear your pick first. Well, St. Louis also didn't prepare for Booth Gotch to turn into Michael Jordan this season. So, I mean, you got you to gotta think about it that way. But as a whole, I think this St. Louis team's better. I think Minnesota's start has been a little bit – they're a little bit on fraud alert too. I don't think they're nearly as good as they've been playing. Gabe Kalsher still can't hit uh, a shot like at all. He's shooting like 8% from three this year, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I think it's literally – he's shooting 17%. I mean, the same as Casey Moore self-shot last season. So, I'm going to take St. Louis on a road upset. I don't know what the uh, line would be. They're probably be like six or seven point underdogs, I would guess. Five maybe. But I think St. Louis wins. I think St. Louis will be favored. No way. You think St. Louis is going to be favored? Yeah. No, absolutely not. I'm checking. Our guy yeah. has the matrix. He pull, does. Pull, he does. Pull Ken Palm up and tell me what the what he has. Well, I'm doing Haslam. Has, oh, okay. Haslam's him the go-to. Too. Yeah, yeah. Hasl- Haslam's our guy, so we can stick with him. I just have Ken Palm bookmarked on my computer, so. All right, Haslam metrics. Has a projected score of. It's going to be six points, and you're going to be like it. It's a nine point favorite for St. Louis. Well, if that's the case, then Minnesota, I don't know, put your entire house on them because they're not winning this game by nine points. Give me, tell me what Ken Palm has. Let's compare and contrast here. You, you have Ken Palm up. I have Haslam. All right, I'll, I'll pull it up. Hold on. I, I guarantee you it's, like, Minnesota by five. There's no – but, see, Haslam, he also has Virginia Tech, like, top ten every preseason. That's what his metrics tell him. So, you know, well, tough to tell early in the season. The, the thing about Haslam, too, is his metrics are all based off this season pretty much. Like, I think this is the first year he's actually done preseason, but, like, his his stuff is pretty much all based baked on this year's results. And since St. Louis has been 
really, really good. I think that's why it's yeah. such a favorite for uh, yeah, his, his stuff. His stuff is great, so definitely check that out if you haven't. But Ken Palm yeah. has it as St. Louis favored by one. All right, so I'd I'd expect St. or uh, St. Louis to be favored by like three, probably. Somewhere if that's that the case, then get, give me Minnesota. Because I expected St. Louis to be five or six point underdogs. I'll take St. Louis to win on the road. I'll take them. I if it's like two or three on the line, I don't really like it. So I'll take St. Louis. Just give me them winning on the road as my official pick. Yeah, that's fair. I'll take I'll take them winning. But you know if uh, if they're like giving three points and if you're listening to this and you want to do that don't do that that'd be my recommendation all right that will wrap it up for this edition of the making the man in this college basketball podcast make sure to tune into those youtube uh previews we've got some great content and subscribe because if you're watching you might as well subscribe it's free it's free easy to do Cost you zero dollars and zero cents. Subscribe exactly. to the Making the Madness podcast because it, again, it costs zero dollars and zero cents to subscribe, and, and it helps the boys out. So yeah, just do that and uh, we'll be we'll be in good shape. Mm-hmm. All right, so that that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Um, we'll to be back probably Monday again for what a rehab of what should be a great week of games. Hopefully keep the fingers crossed. San Diego State's coming back, by the way. Yeah, they've cut it. Cut it in the third. San Diego State's back. Malachi Flynn is back. He's, uh, you know, probably watching, but. San Diego State is back. Uh, The people listening are probably like, yeah, either so – they're either saying San Diego State was not back or they're saying San Diego State is back. These guys are right on it. They're back, yeah. 11-4 run, though. Last I mean, and they have the ball. And fell on the floor. Whoa, you're ahead of me? Okay, geez. Oh, gee, that's like an elbow to the face. Wait, they didn't even call that? Trevin Nell just, like, destroyed Matt Mitchell twice. All right. Ooh, that's a flop. That That's all for me. All right, that wraps up for the podcast. Uh, do all those things, and we'll be back on Monday. Stay tuned.